Hello, this is Michael James King coming to you from beautiful Round Town, USA, where Muldoon lived alone in the Irish countryside with only a pet dog for company. One day the dog died, and Muldoon went to the parish priest and asked, Father, me dog is dead. Could you be saying a mass for the poor creature? Father Patrick replied, I'm afraid not. We cannot have services for an animal in church. But there is some Baptists down the lane, and there's no telling what they believe. Maybe they'll do something for the poor creature. Muldoon said, I'll go right away, Father. Do you think 5,000 is enough to donate for them for the service? Father Patrick exclaimed, Sweet Mary, Mother of Jesus, why didn't you tell me the dog was a Catholic? This is yet another edition of God's Love Club, the podcast that talks about God's divine love and what it means for you today. We, as always, are giving a shout-out to spirit-led believers everywhere and greeting them with a holy kiss. We confess Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, thanking Him for His sacrifice on the cross of Calvary, and we look forward to His soon appearing in the clouds. Father, in the name of Jesus... We ask that your Holy Spirit anoint us as we speak to your people today. Help them to be receptive to your word and your spirit and open their minds and heart to receive your revelation straight from your throne. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, my co-host with the spirit-led most is the lovely Christy Smith, the darling of Roundtown, USA. Christy is happy and well-adjusted in beautiful downtown Roundtown where she believes without limits, prays for her family and friends unceasingly, and treats everyone with loving kindness. The title of this podcast today is God's Great Dance Floor. Hey, Christy. How are you? I'm doing really well. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I didn't know dogs would be Catholics or Protestants. I didn't even know that we had such an Irish population in Roundtown either. That's amazing. Roundtown is very expansive, <laughs> inclusive, and there's lots of people here. Yes. <laughs> Today we're going to talk about God's great dance floor, and I would encourage everyone at the end of this podcast to go to YouTube and look up, it's called Passion, and then God's Great Dance Floor, and Chris Tomlin. And it's a video about a passion convention, and they sang this song called God's Great Dance Floor. And what's coming up in the church is not more double your effort or more purpose-driven life. What's coming up in the church is praise and dance and total freedom and abandon in God. I remember when I first saw this video on YouTube, I was amazed. I said, that is a foretaste of tabernacles. Yeah. You know, tabernacles is even more than that is, but that is a good demonstration of how God's people will unify, not because of a doctrine, but because of an experience. And they will dance together in unity, mm-hmm. and their individual dances will meld together into one great big praise. And it's going to be amazing. It's going to be freeing. Mm-hmm. You know, people, they get burdened down with all the cares and the worries of this life, and they really need something to release their spirits and to make them happy. And praising God with your fellow Christians in total freedom and liberty mm-hmm. is the answer to that. It really is. And the thing that is really good about moving and, and dancing before God is that 
we get caught up with a lot of emotion and stress in our bodies. And that's energy in our bodies when we're stressed, when we're worried, when we're angry, when we're frustrated. And sometimes we think we just need to go pray and sit still quietly before God and pray and ask him to relieve our burdens. But physically, if we can move and release our bodies to God, all of that pent up stress leaves us. And what better way to do that than to give your body and worship to God, to move freely as he leads you, to dance, to be able to just open yourself up, then the Holy Spirit can get a hold of you. And it's almost like a cleansing where your body is freed of the things that bind you and you're able to just have an abundance of joy and peace and and freedom that you feel. I remember at one service, the Spirit of God was so heavy, you know, so it's almost like a blanket that comes on everyone there at the church. And my hands were raised to God and I felt as if somebody was moving my hands. Mm. I felt the Holy Spirit, basically, and my hands would move in a certain direction, and it was very fluid and very worshipful. And I was in the front pew, and it's a large church. And then I felt like I should start turning around, like there was hands on my shoulders turning Mm. me around. And so I just did it a little bit, you know, because I was self-conscious, you know, and then I did a little bit more, and pretty soon I was turning around. And... The Holy Spirit was taking control of my body as I yielded to him. And I was allowing him to move me by his spirit. And I think if I would have been really free, I would have ended up dancing in front of the whole church. Mm -hmm. And that was before dancing really hit at the church. And later on, I would dance in front of the whole church, but I would dance with other people. And it was a beautiful thing. It was a, a symbolic picture of how God was going to dance with us. It was almost a dance of Solomon and Abishag. And the Holy Spirit would move your body, not by force, but by permission. It was a amalgam of God and man. Mm. And as we yielded to God, you could look at people and you could see the message of the dance. Mm. Wow. I believe that as we yield our bodies to God, We also yield everything else we are to him too. Mm -hmm. And it's a great way to learn how to feel God and how to have him orchestrate your body. You know, Mm -hmm. when we are spirit-filled, we give our tongues to God. We basically let the Holy Spirit possess our tongues and speak in other tongues. We yield. He doesn't force us. We just Mm -hmm. yield and he does it. And it's a sign that we're filled with this Holy Spirit. But the tabernacle experience that's coming up here right away is the finishing work of that baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because whereas with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we begin to give the first fruits of our lives to God, which is our unruly tongue. When we enter into the baptism of the tabernacle blessing, we give our entire body. And that is analogous to the ingathering of the final harvest. Mm. And so what you have is God being able to inhabit and show himself through everything that you are. And when you dance before the Lord and you just yield your spirit and your spirit controls your body and your body is controlled by his spirit, you become one with God in a way that is not possible when you're sitting in a pew. Mm-hmm. That's very true. The tabernacle blessing is a baptism of love. And it's a love that overtakes your entire being. It's a love that takes you from how it talks in Ephesians 4 about 
pastors and teachers and evangelists leading the believers until they come to a point of maturity where they operate in truth and love. Right. And that's where we're at now. It's beyond that until so we can operate in truth and love because we're filled completely with God and are yielded completely to Him. I like what you say that it's as we yield to Him. Yeah, it's not forced. It's not forced. And it's not like a demon possession where the demon comes into a person and totally takes control and the person doesn't have any choice. This is our choice. It's our yielding. If we yield just our tongue, God will use our tongue. If we yield our tongue in our hands, God will use our tongue in our hands. If we yield our entire body, He will use our entire body either exactly. to worship Him or to to experience Him or to love others. It's like when we first come to God, before we understand about the power of this Holy Spirit, we feel like worshiping God is maybe singing a quiet hymn, maybe paying our tithe, maybe studying the Word, maybe practicing good works, working really hard to not sin anymore. That's what our worship to God is. Then when we get filled with the Spirit, we understand worshiping God is yielding our tongue to Him, praying or singing in tongues, maybe raising our hands as we worship and being a little bit free as we move as we worship, but it's during the set time of just church. But coming into the fullness of what God has, which is the dwelling place of God is with man. This is a foretaste of what it talks about in Revelation, the dwelling place of God is with man. The Holy Spirit comes and dwells with us. Our entire body is yielded to Him and belongs to Him. So instead of seeing our lives as we're driving a car and God is telling us which way to go, okay, now go left, okay, in 200 feet go right, okay, your destination is on the left. Instead of him being ahead of us and us trying to follow where he is, he lives in us and he moves through us. Exactly. And it's an entirely different experience. So often in Christianity, we think of God as being outside of us. We try to reach for him. We say, God, come to me. You're out there somewhere. I want you to come to me. But what the truth is that God inhabits us. And when we believe in Jesus and we ask him to fill us, he fills us. And so when we yield to God. It's not as much of a seeking and a reaching for God as it is a yielding to God. And you can actually feel him in your body. You can exactly. feel him in your hands. You can feel him, especially in your belly. You can feel him in your mind. You can feel him all through you as you yield. And then it's not a matter of necessarily having him say, go left. Okay, I'll go left. It's just a flow that you go left because you know that's what you're supposed to do because God's moving you. It's a beautiful way to live so effortless and so freeing. And it keeps us in that place of love. As we're connected to God, we're connected to love. And it keeps us in that place of freedom and love and joy. You know, when we back off of that and we get into our own thoughts and our own emotions and our natural minded thinking, we can easily step into our flesh. And when we stay connected to God, it's an easier way to walk in the Spirit. It is walking in the Spirit and it is, is flowing with Him. That's the life that He has for us. Exactly. You know, it's analogous again to if you've ever as a kid gotten an inner tube and floated down a river that wasn't going too fast mm -hmm. you're in the middle of the river you're lazing back it's a sunny day the warm sun is just all over your body and you're relaxed and you're at peace and you don't really care because the lazy river is taking you that way you can splash about you can go to one side of the river you can go to the other side of the river you can stay in the middle of the river doesn't matter. You're in the river. Mm. And that's how it is when God comes and takes over your life by permission. You may be over here. You may be over there. But you're still in God. Mm -hmm. That's what we call God's domain. Right. As long as you're in God's domain, you're fine. 
And God just moves through you effortlessly. And you don't have to think about being righteous because the righteousness you need is living through you. That's right, yeah. Right now, Christianity for many people is just a lot of work. It's a lot of rules. It's a lot of condemnation because Mm -hmm. you're constantly breaking the rules. You're (laughs) wondering if you're doing right all the time. That's the biggest thing. Am I doing right, Lord? Am I doing right? And he says, yes, my son. Yes, my daughter. Then two minutes later, am I doing right? Am I doing right? Yes, my son. Yes, my daughter. He's always going to say that to you as long as your heart is for him and you're trying to do his will. But you're scared that you might disobey. And God's not up there waiting to punish you. No. He's wanting to encourage you to try to step out in faith and do his will. And if you fall, you get up, you repent, and then you keep going. You know, this is not to be a hard thing. Our father is not a taskmaster. He's a loving father that encourages us to do our best. And all this burden that we have about are we sinning or not? Well, the truth is you are. You're a sinner. And until you allow Jesus to live fully through you, you're going to fall and you're going to fail. But that doesn't mean that God is mad at you. No, exactly. He's not. He loves that you're trying. There's no parent when they see their kid try to take their first steps that isn't thrilled to death. And then they fall flat on their face and they cry and they go comfort them. And then the next time they do better until they're walking. And this is how our Heavenly Father is. Our Heavenly Father does not condemn us. Only the devil condemns us. Our Father encourages us. Jesus encourages us. He died so that we didn't have to do that hard thing. He died so that we could take on his righteousness and God could see us as his son when we Mm -hmm. pray in his name and walk in his word and yield to his spirit. And God's great dance floor, it's loud, (laughs) it's joyous. Everybody is having an incredible time. You just got to see that video. The thing is that that is decent and in order in God's view. That's right. You see... All those thousands and thousands of people just whirling and twirling and dancing however they want is perfectly in line with the will of God at that time. Just like in the book of Acts, where the 120 got filled with the Holy Spirit, they spake in other tongues, and they were so joyous, they were so drunk with the Spirit, people assumed that they had been drinking beer or wine. And Peter had to get up and say, these are not drunk as you suppose. This is that which the prophet Joel spake of and testify. That was God's order. It just doesn't fit man's idea of what order should be. Exactly. And what's so beautiful about that video that you were talking about is it's dancing and rejoicing before God and it's dancing and rejoicing together. There's a part where a couple of the men are dancing with their arm around each other and jumping up and down and dancing and singing to God. There's a part where a couple of women are facing each other and shaking their shoulders and moving back and forth and things that a a lot of people would think, oh, that's not appropriate. You can't worship God like that. Absolutely you can. Their bodies are just given freely to love each other and together to worship God by loving each other and by just giving their bodies completely. The thing we need to remember about God is that the only reason he set laws and rules before us in the first place is because sin has separated us from him, and he doesn't want us to be separated. 
It's not like he looks down at us like, oh my gosh, you're such horrible people. You just got to get this right. You keep messing up. The reason he wants us to be pure is because without purity, you can't see God. Without holiness, you can't be in his presence. And he desperately wants to be with us to the point that he is creating this incredible place that by the blood of Jesus, those who accept that salvation will be able to live in him in perfection and just have unbroken unhindered fellowship with him forever. That's what he wants. He wants us to be with him. And so what he's done is he has come by his spirit on the earth and created this foretaste of the unity that he wants to have with us. The prayer that he prayed in John 17, when he said, I want you to fill them and me to fill them. I want me to be in them as you are in me. So basically, God is in Jesus, is in us. That is the type of intimacy that he wants. He doesn't want to be next to us. He wants to be in us. Right. That's the unity that he wants. And that's the only reason that he encourages us to not sin. Because when we sin, we automatically separate from him. When we can walk with him in that unity, imagine that's his desire, Jesus in us, God in Jesus. He wants the almighty God to live in us through Jesus. And when we allow that to happen and really yield to that, we should expect incredible things. We should expect new things of our body. We should expect ourselves to even respond to that. We should expect that our minds will be changed, our hearts will be changed, that we'll have compassion, we'll have love, and that we'll be able to just sense by the presence of God inside our bodies, what our bodies need to do in response to Him. And we're going to see a freeing. We're going to see a desire to move before Him. We're going to feel Him in our bodies in a new way as we yield to that. There's going to be an expression of that. And as everybody was dancing there in the Colosseum and yielding to His Spirit and just having a great time, nobody was worried about sinning. Mm-hmm. That's they right. were just praising and loving God. And that's what people really want. They want freedom. They want liberty. You know, mm-hmm. it's the liberty of the sons of God. Yeah. You know, those who walk in the Spirit, they don't fulfill the lusts of the lower nature. Why? Because they don't want to. They're too busy enjoying God. And that's when his burden becomes light. We are so pressed down with what we think we should do that we're not available to do and be what God wants us to be. That's really true. Yeah. And so we've lost, in most cases, the joy of our salvation because it becomes almost a rote type of life where we just have a list of things that we need to do to be acceptable to God. And our heart really isn't in it anymore. We like our heart to be in it but the way we're going about it just isn't interesting it isn't meeting our needs it's not connecting us with god that's why god's great dance floor in chris tomlin is very instructive because that is a foretaste Mm -hmm. of tabernacles now tabernacles is much more than that but that gives you a good indication of where we're heading and from that if you watch that you'll know you want to be there You know, it was only when I actually personally met God at a Baptist Bible camp that I felt his presence. And his presence is what was important to me. I felt his love literally. Mm. I felt the weight of sin lift off of me when I confessed Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. And my journey in God began through experience. Right. And then I went to Bible college and just about killed myself spiritually through learning the Word of God. Isn't that weird? I mean, you can learn the Word of God and die on the vine. Wow. And again, I was rescued by experience and by dancing in the Spirit. You know, I started dancing in the Spirit and suddenly I felt God again. 
And he was there and I was experiencing it. I was experiencing through another person, whoever I was dancing with. And I could look at their eyes and see Jesus looking back at me. And Now, that was interesting. That was something to go to church for. Mm -hmm. In fact, my employer at that time loved the move of God because me and the other worker, we were roofing, and we'd do his work as fast as we possibly could so we could get back to church. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, there was no dawdling on the job anymore, man. Mm -hmm. We worked like madmen so that we could go home, get showered, and get right back to church. And that's what happened in the first century AD. Mm -hmm. People just didn't want to go home. That's why they had all things in common, because they didn't want to go away from church. So they they needed to find a way to stay there. And it wasn't some top-down decree. It was a heartfelt, I don't want to go, so here, have this, have this, and we'll just all stay together. Yeah. And I experienced that. And at 1, 2 o'clock in the morning, they would have to shoo you out of church. Wow. Can you imagine that? Most people don't even want to sit through an hour-long sermon. Right. They couldn't get us to leave. Mm. And this is what is coming. I'm telling you that this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. It is better than you can possibly imagine. And it's right around the corner. And it's a great thing. It's a liberating thing. It's freedom. God always tends towards freedom. The devil always binds. But God looses. Mm -hmm. And he gives you the desires of your heart, but in a way that is not harmful. Yes, exactly. He gives you everything that you possibly could want, but in a way that has no ill effects. You know, if you've ever taken any drugs, I've been told that if you take ecstasy, you want to hug everybody. It's called the hug drug. Really? Yeah, that's what (laughs) I've read about anyway. I've never done it. But people take that and then they have parties. This is that, but with no ill effects right with the purity and the holiness purity of God. holiness you don't wake up with hangover you don't wake mm-hmm. up with somebody you don't know you don't wake up feeling ashamed of yourself mm-hmm. you just wake up feeling like a million dollars and knowing that god loves you and knowing that you've met god and knowing that god is there when you go back that's right it is amazing it's like putting the correct fuel in a very expensive car it runs better you run better on God. Yeah. When you put God in your tank, you feel like you're going to go a million miles an hour. Mm-hmm. And there's no wear and tear because you were made for God. Right. And when you have God filling you, you become everything that he intended. Exactly. exactly. And it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And there's no side effects. <laughs> there's no bad things happen to you. You know, You just feel great. I remember when I was filled with the love of God, the world was okay. The world was a nice place. Mm -hmm. There was no problems in the world. I would go down the street. I would hug strangers. I loved everybody. I could forgive anyone. I didn't hold anything against anyone. Why? Because everything that I needed was met by my Father in heaven. I felt loved like you could not believe. It was an amazing healing experience. Tabernacles is what you are looking for. It's what you know is there but could not find. And when it comes, if you will open your heart, open your spirit, open your mind to God, and allow him to just take you and do with you as he pleases, you will find a place of joy and Mm -hmm, peace mm -hmm. and 
tranquility that you never thought you could ever have. That's right. What God intends for us is freedom. It says in in Scripture, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. And the freedom is not just a freedom from sin. It's not just a freedom to be close to God. It's not just a freedom to have access to God. It's a freedom to be free. The two areas where most people are held back is in singing and dancing. You have to really feel free to be able to Mm -hmm. sing, and you have to really feel free to be able to dance. And that's exactly what God wants us to do before Him. That's a symbol of our freedom. I remember being in Bible college, and I went to a Spirit-filled church on a Sunday night, and it was the first time that I really experienced a really powerful move of God in a large group of people. And I felt so cleansed and so restored when I got back to my dorm room. I was by myself, and I just danced. I had never done that in my life. Just danced freely, spinning around with my skirt on, and it was just a freeing experience. And I still was not free to do that where other people could see me, but I could do it before God, and it freed something in me. God doesn't want us to be bound. He doesn't want our relationship with Him to be condensed and quiet and solemn. There are times when we need to be quiet before God, for sure. There are times that we are solemn, but we need to be free. The other part of the freedom is freedom to be ourselves. Because if you'll notice, God made everybody a little bit different. Look at the people that live in your house with you, how different each person is. Look at the people that you work with, how different each person is. We all have different experiences. We all have different backgrounds. We all have different personalities, different DNA. God doesn't want to mold us all into the exact same thing. He doesn't want us all dressing alike, speaking the same, moving the same way. So when I dance or move or sing before God, it's going to look different than when you do, than when the whole church that we're with and the group of people that we're with does it. We get the freedom to be who we are when we're free in God. Because what he wants to do is live in us and make us, like you said, into the fullness of who we are. And the fullness of who I am looks different than the fullness of who you are. We have the freedom to be ourselves. As God lives in us and through us, we can be ourselves without our sin nature. We can be ourselves without our propensity to fall in these same things that we always fall in. And the freedom to be ourselves, express ourselves, enjoy ourselves and enjoy God living in us is a beautiful thing. We have experienced so much in Christianity over the centuries of being controlled. God doesn't want us controlled. God wants us free, free to yield to him so that he can live through us. He loves that. He loves being in us and flowing through me in the unique way, which is different than the way he flows through you. He loves being in each of his believers and flowing through them in their unique expression of him. That's his joy, his delight, is to live in us and express himself through us. He's a God of variety and uniqueness and expansion, and that's the freedom he wants us to live in. For you who are listening to our voices, you're wondering, can these things be true? And they are absolutely true. It's not a normative church experience, but it is where we're going. And what we're doing is we're heralding a new paradigm in God, where God's people are truly free to be themselves in Him. Yeah. And individuality in God is a great thing because he's a big God and he needs all that individuality to manifest the different facets of his nature. One person can sing, one person can play a piano, one person can witness, one person can build, one person can clean really good, one person can write. It takes a whole world of spirit-filled people to even begin to demonstrate the glory of God. And he wants you to be a part of that. Because without you, that piece of him will not be seen. 
You see, we were made in Mm -hmm. his image and in his likeness. And we were made to be a demonstration of our Father to creation. And that's still his desire, that you demonstrate his nature to this world. And it's actually your purpose for being. And you can demonstrate that purpose through yielding to his Holy Spirit. You don't got to do it yourself. Yeah, right. It's not a work. It's a yielding to somebody else and letting them live through you. And that's essentially all that Jesus did. He just did it perfectly. Yes. He did whatsoever he heard his father say or saw his father do. He was like a son following his father as he did his work. And he would play, you know, at hammering with his little Mm -hmm. play hammer. And he would saw, you know, and play. And he would mimic his father and his father would be well pleased. And that's what Christ did. And through that, he changed the world. And the 12 apostles, through mimicking Jesus, changed the world. And their disciples, who were many more, through mimicking them, mimicking Christ, mimicking God, changed the world. And now it's come to you. He wants you to do the work of the Father. He wants you to allow him to fill you with his Spirit Not only with your tongue, but with your feet, with your hands, with your eyes, with your actions. So that you can go forth and manifest the Father. This is the task that God has given you. And it doesn't have to be some grandiose outward thing. You can just give a kind word to somebody during the course of your day as God leads. That's a manifestation of God. You can leave a note on a door saying, I love you, and write your name. And that can be God manifest through your flesh. You can go down the street and go and see a friend at a coffee house and talk to them and just listen to them. And that can be God sitting there listening to your friend. This is how we do it. It takes a whole world to show Jesus. And you're part of that. You know, a lot of people, they think that, oh, I'm nothing. I wish people would stop saying that. You're not nothing. You're the focal point of the entire universe. God created you. God's greatest creation. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he didn't create you on the first day. He created it on the sixth day. You were the crowning achievement. And girls, you were the crowning achievement of the crowning achievement. You were the new thing that God created. And he made you able to give life. He made you feminine. He made you able to love in incredible ways. You are the focal point. You are not nothing. You are incredibly important. I don't care who you are or what you've done. God has chosen you and you have a calling. And if you ever will look up and see the face of Jesus smiling at you and encouraging you, you will know that too. It's only that people have lied to you. And told you that you're nothing. Told you that you're not pretty enough. Told you you're not handsome enough. Told you that you don't have money or that you don't have the smarts or nothing. It doesn't take anything to manifest God but saying yes. If you can say yes, you can manifest Christ. And he'll take over. And believe me, he is more than enough to get done what God wants to get done. Mm -hmm. In Jesus' name. I like what you said about God's unique way of flowing through you won't be done if you don't yield. 
a lot of times we think, oh, God doesn't need me. I see what this person does. I see what that person does. I have nothing to give God. It doesn't matter if I yield to God or not because God will just do it through somebody else. Yeah, he will, but there's a unique design that he made you with that he wants to flow through. And there's nobody in the world like you. And you have been brought to the earth at this point in time for the purpose of God flowing through you to manifest himself in the unique way that only you can manifest. Don't think that you don't have any value. You were created different because God wants to flow through you in the way that you are. You're incredibly valuable to him. I remember a few years ago, my daughter was making chocolate chip cookies at my house. And my little granddaughter, who was two years old, wanted to help her and my daughter was really excited about her helping. So she puts her up on this high little chair and they're close to the table and making cookies. And I mean, of course, well, how can a two-year-old make cookies? What, what did she do? She just got a lot of flour on herself and kind of stirred and ate a lot of cookie dough. But she was so proud of herself. When people walk in the room, I'm making cookies. I'm making cookies. And there was actually more work for my daughter to allow this two-year-old girl to help her than if she just did it herself. But she was enjoying it so much because she enjoyed doing it with her little niece. That's how God sees us. We feel like, I can't make cookies. I can't do what God does. This is ridiculous. But God just enjoys us being there in the process, getting flour all over us and eating all the chocolate chips as we're trying to make cookies. Because he enjoys that fellowship with us. And he enjoys saying, look what we did, when really he knows it was him, because he just enjoys the connection, the closeness, the fellowship. I was in the gas station the other day getting a soda, and there was a man who was with his little three- or four-year-old son, and they had been working together. His dad was out doing work, and the boy was with him and just watching him, like you were describing, kind of mimicking what he did. They were getting a soda because it was a hot day, and so the dad pulls out this big cup and fills it up, and he pulls out this little cup for the boy and starts to fill it, and the boy says, no, no, I don't want a little one. I want a big one like you. I want a big one like you. (laughs) The dad looked at him and said, can you drink that much? Yeah, I can drink that much. So he gets him a big soda just like his. Whether or not he could drink that much, probably not. But the point was the boy wanted to be like the dad. He wanted to have as much as the dad had. And I felt like that was a really good picture of us. We belong to God, and we get to mimic him and have what he has. We don't want to just get a little portion. We want everything that God has, and he wants to give it to us. The dad probably thought it was ridiculous to give his son that much of a soda because he probably wouldn't drink that much. But because the boy wanted to be like him and have what he have, he was willing to do it. And that's how God is with us. Yeah, exactly. God is pleased by our effort. And to please God, you don't have to be perfect. You just move towards him. God knows that he's going to do almost all of it anyway. He just wants you to say yes to his Holy Spirit. What I'm saying is this is where the church is heading. And it's total freedom. It's coming in church. It's coming in dance. It's coming in our daily lives. We're going to be so happy that people are going to ask, why are you that happy? Everything going to hell and you're happy? What's going on here? You say, oh, you don't understand. I know God. And he is amazing. And I cannot help but be happy because I'm just filled with his joy. Yeah, he lives in me. And they're just going to look at you and they think you're crazy, but part of them is going to say, man, I wish I could have that. And that's going to be what opens them to the gospel. You're just going to tell them how you know God. You're not going to give them four spiritual laws. You're not going to lead with Jesus died on the cross for them. You're going to lead with joy. You're going to lead with your experience, with your testimony and say, I used to be like you. I used to look at what's going on in the world and fear for my life, fear for my generation, fear for mankind. But then I met God, and I 
don't worry anymore because I know that he loves me and that he is leading me to heaven and I want to be with him. And that's the only thing I want to do. And all this other stuff that's going on beside me, he's going to take care of it. The Bible says that we win. And I believe him. That's right. And you can too. You see, this is for you. This is not for some minister that went to Bible college for eight years of his life and has a doctor of divinity. No, in fact, they probably won't accept this. It'll be for the common people that just want Jesus. And they just yield to his spirit and they just let his life live through them and they bloom and they blossom and they become amazing people in God. And that's who you are today. That's who you are. And God loves you. And God thinks that you are the most important thing ever. You know, if you look up in the sky and point, it's a straight line forever. There is no known universe limit. Every time they look at a dark space in the sky, all they find is more galaxies. And they have never found evidence of life anywhere else in all that great expanse. Think about it. You are it. You are a human being that can worship God. And the world full of these human beings God created to worship him is what he's concerned about. He's not talking about Antares. He's not talking about some quasar a few billion light years away. He's concerned about you because you're important. I cannot emphasize that enough. Do not harm yourself because you are important to God. He wants to live his life through you. It doesn't matter what you've done. It matters who you know. Jesus died for your sin. It doesn't matter that you're sinned. It doesn't matter that you're a sinner. It matters that Jesus Christ will forgive that sin and cleanse you from that unrighteousness. If you've got nothing left to live for, then why not live for God? Why not just give your life to him? You think it's worthless anyway. Give it to somebody that can do something with it. Don't do something to yourself that will harm yourself. If you're that low... If there's nothing left for you to be for, then be for God. He'll do a total makeover. And people next year will not know you because God lives in you. Amen? Amen. Amen. There's someone listening to us who is physically disabled. And you're feeling frustrated because you feel like, yeah, God's given freedom to us to dance, but he's made my body so that I can't. I want to tell you that it's not God that has made you that way, but God can use it. And the freedom that you have does not have to be expressed physically if you're not physically able to express it. There's a freedom he can give you in your spirit, in your soul, in your heart that will shine through you in your unique way. You are just as unique and just as valuable to God. In the state that he's allowed you to be in right now, he still wants to flow through you and demonstrate freedom. What a testimony you can have when you can let him show you the way that you can express the freedom that you have to move before him, to worship him, to dance before him in your unique way, that people can look at you and say, wow, I would think that person was really bound, but that person is free. That person has a freedom in Christ that is beyond what I have, and I can move. So be encouraged. Know that God sees you, and he wants to use you in a very unique way, and there's a freedom for you, too, that you haven't experienced yet that he wants you to experience. Exactly. You know, there's a lot of people that listen to this podcast that are Muslim, and you worship Allah, and you find that you don't really agree with Muhammad anymore. Yeah, I get it. You're in a tough space, but 
in the privacy of your own home, you can put on the music and you can worship God. And leave everything else to Him. Worship Him first and foremost. And don't worry about all the other stuff. Because once you begin drawing near to God, He draws near to you. And things tend to work out. You know, I've been talking to a lady who grew up in the north of India. Went to school in Madrasa. And uh, she's a spirit-filled Christian now that's moving in the tabernacles. Talk about a journey. Yeah. You wouldn't think that she'd be able to traverse that much spiritual ground, but she did. And she did it because of Christ. Christ took care of everything. Mm. And so you don't have to preach against Muhammad. All you have to do is love with the love of Christ. Love is a universal language. It transcends every religion. And Mm -hmm. when you just allow Christ to live in you, and to speak through you to other people, you don't have to go and say that Muhammad isn't the way. Yeah, You just have to say, I know this guy named Jesus, and he's amazing. Or you just have to love somebody. Jesus knows how to do stuff, Mm -hmm. okay? And you don't have to worry about what you're going to say or what you're going to do. You just let the Holy Spirit speak through you. There's somebody right outside uh, Kinshasa, I think, in the Congo, and somehow you're listening to this, What I want you to know is that for all the crap, basically, that's going on around you, this is the answer. You don't know in and of yourself how you're going to make it to the next day. But Christ does. And if you'll learn to listen to his voice and yield to his spirit, he'll let you walk among the, the minefields of your society. And he'll lead you into an amazing place in your spiritual life. See, the worst places in the world are the exact places that the tabernacle experience is needed. Only love can conquer that much hate. You know, you have militias running around in the jungle out there that are killing people indiscriminately. Why? Well, it's hate. They were pressed into service or something happened and they hate. And they hate really badly. And the only thing that can overcome that is true love. That's a true love from above. It's not something we can work up in ourselves, you know. And so this tabernacle experience is tailor-made for where you're at. And God has to lead and guide you. I mean, I can't tell you anything that you really need to do there because, wow, that's, that's a lot. Yeah, it is. But Jesus can master that, and he can lead you, and you will prosper even in that place. That's right. And one thought I want to leave you with, the tabernacle way is a way of love. And something that God has been speaking to me and Michael as we minister and do these podcasts is to not spend our focus on telling people what they're doing wrong, telling people that they're going down a path that's bad, that this isn't the way to God. What we're supposed to do is show the right way. Exactly. And we would encourage that for you also, wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, don't come down on other people and condemn them for what they're doing, even though you see that it might be wrong. Instead, show a better way. Demonstrate a better way. This is the tabernacle way, which is the way of love, the way of just demonstrating Jesus and love and allow him to shine through you in that way, and you will have a powerful impact. Yeah, positive message is a lot better than negative message. Everybody kind of knows what's going wrong anyway. Right. No need to emphasize it. No need to go over that ground again. But when you come with a good report and you say, hey, over there is some great stuff, then that is interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So that's about all the time we have for this edition of God's Love Club. We thank you for coming and listening to us. God is going to bless you. You know, you made it to the end of almost an hour of spirit-led talking. That means that you're interested in God, that you really have a heart to seek him, to know him. And God honors that. And God's going to come to you this week, and he's going to bless you in ways that you don't expect. And I just pray that God gives you a spirit of revelation so that your eyes will be open, that you'll see how God works in your life and how God wants you to go. It's going to be an exciting time, and you've got a lot of good things ahead of you. Yeah, you do. You have a great week. And now, a word from our sponsor. And now, coming to you live from that cathedral built for twins, the Righteous Reverend. Hi, how are you? I am the Righteous Reverend of the First Church of the Superficial, where we are increased with goods and have need of nothing. Today I have an announcement about our seating arrangements. You will notice that we have now color-coded the seats in our sanctuary. The ones at the front are in royal red. And we call those the chief seats. Those are for the people that pay the biblical, that give, let me say, the biblical 20%. And the other ones in the rest of the sanctuary are kind of a yucky chartreuse green. And those are the cheap seats for the people that are still struggling with this doctrine. And for all you people that are standing up in the back, you're just going to have to get right with God. This has been another righteous moment with the righteous reverend. Be blessed. You have a great week. We'll talk to you next week on God's Love Club. We love you. Seven days is going to be good. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.